Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude, did you watch the Golden Globes? No. Did you watch the college football championship? No. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of good pop culture references here in the first 30 seconds of Dudes on Hockey. Uh, uh, but I did watch some very up and down hockey. Yes. This last week, dude. Yeah. San Jose Sharks uh, winning two games mm-hmm. on the road. Getting completely housed again in like a Groundhog Day type situation yeah. by the same score by the same team, and then coming home and having a very disappointing loss to the New York Rangers at home. Yes, so that was. where would you like to start, dude? Well, I think it's fitting since he's our boyfriend to start <laughs> with the yeah. New York Rangers game. If yeah. you are a longtime listener, you know that we both have deep. Affection for Dan Boyle, DB22. Yes. And to see him return in the blue and white was bittersweet, but also awesome at the same time. And the reception that he got, dude, you were at that game. Talk about that moment. Yeah, it was cool. I was sort of watching for it because a lot of times what they do is the first commercial break, uh, which I think happens after if there's less than 14 minutes left in the first period... They go to a commercial break, and that's a lot of times where they have these kind of tribute, longer video packages. And so the first commercial break came, and they just had sort of like a generic Sharks rah-rah video package. And I'm like, what? They're not going to do a Dan Boyle tribute? Like this, I was really, I was like almost like upset at that point. I was like, gee, this really sucks. And then I realized a few minutes later, you know, because I didn't have the benefit of watching the telecast, that he wasn't even on the ice at that point because he had gotten hit. I think he broke his nose early in the first period, and he actually went to the locker room for repairs. A few minutes later, I see him come onto the ice from the visitor's entrance, and I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that's why they didn't do it because he wasn't even there. That would have been a little weird. So basically at the next break or very soon thereafter, they did this sort of minute-long video tribute that you can find on a lot of different sites. I think Kurz has it on his blog and other places and it was really a cool moment i mean everybody he uh boyle was in the starting lineup for the rangers when they announced the starting lineup for the rangers there was a really big cheer when boyle's name was announced and obviously if you saw the video you saw there was a full standing ovation for dan boyle when it was announced and both the rangers and the sharks were giving him stick taps you know boyle broke sort of the protocol of the nhl and acknowledged the cheers you know, all around, you know, a lot of times you see these guys are like stone face on the bench and 18,000 people are cheering for him and they just like sit there and like stare straight ahead. It's just, you know, which is a little unsatisfying as a fan, but this time he really acknowledged it. And, and it was really a, it was a really cool moment. You know, they showed a lot of the coolest things uh, that Boyle did with the sharks, including, you know, his end to end run where he undressed Ryan Suter and, you know, some of the scraps he got into and things like that. It was really neat. 
They did not show him uh, scoring the own goal. <laughs> I wish they'd put that in yeah. just right at the end. Uh, did you notice that they included a clip of him fighting now teammate Derek Broussard? Yes, I did notice that. <laughs> and that, that got a big laugh on the Rangers bench. I do love that he stood up and acknowledged the crowd several times. He turned around. He raised his stick up. That guy is just so classy. And uh, I missed the incessant blinking. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I miss him, man. I really miss I, him. I miss him. And it was great to see him playing uh, on the Rangers. And, you know, given how the Rangers looked against the Sharks, I mean, they've got a pretty darn good team with the ability to maybe make some tweaks to their forward group. And they may have a chance with how completely wide open the Eastern Conference appears to be, as it always is, I suppose. But with right. Boston being in the state that they're in and, you know, the Islanders being on top and you're not really totally buying into that. Right. The Rangers, they've got a shot, dude, if they can play like they did on Saturday against the Sharks. If you have Lundqvist and goal and you have McDonough, Girardi, Boyle, and Stahl is your top four with Rick Nash, who might still be the leading goal scorer in the league as your top forward. You got a shot by definition. I mean, that's, that is a stacked team, especially on the defensive side of the puck. And, and I think the sharks probably should have been up two or three, nothing in the first 10 to 15 minutes. Of the, the sharks look good early. They look great early. They came out huge. They really dominated the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game. And Lundqvist came up with some huge saves uh, I think there was at least one post during that time. Um, and then the Sharks kind of gave it away a little bit. There was sort of a... And I think the Rangers scored in the first period, which really seemed to take a lot of the wind out of the sails at that point because the Sharks were really playing so much better. And then the Rangers sort of scored this weird... It wasn't like a fluky goal, but it was like one of those really unfortunate ones that kind of happened the way it happened. And then that seemed to sort of stopped the momentum and and at that point the Sharks and the Rangers were fairly even up and Lundqvist and the defense on the Rangers I think was the difference and the fact that Patrick Marlowe is so frigging snake bit right now like he had so many chances he couldn't get good wood on it he rung one off the crossbar like the, he, the guy has a lot of chances but uh, you know we can't help but, but mention that, what, he's had one goal in his last 20 or some more? Yeah, some sort of terribly awful right. stat. He is getting looks, and some people say, well, as long as you're getting looks, you're doing good. And I'm, you know, this last game, he got some looks, okay? And so I, I'll certainly give him a pass against the Rangers, but if one of your best players only has one goal in the last 20 games, that's a problem. I mean, you know... People say a lot of people are, especially now, are jumping on the Burns back to forward bandwagon. But you can't tell me that our five-on-five scoring hasn't been hurt by the fact that Patrick Marlowe is no longer scoring. Let's talk about this Burns back to forward business, dude, because I think that is a ridiculous idea at this point. I think it's ridiculous. Wow. Okay. This guy just made the all-star team as a defenseman. He's the third highest scoring defenseman in the NHL. So should the Ottawa Senators move Eric Carlson to forward? (laughs) I'm not saying he's a great defensive player. Right. Okay. But that doesn't mean that you should then take away. So then if we move him to forward, you're creating an even bigger problem, dude. Yeah. An even bigger problem on your back end where you have absolutely no. I'm sorry. Vlasic has been super special offensively for a week. 
All right, right. right. In those two, you know, uh, game-winning goals. But come on. Like, then then you are in a really terrible position. Let's give the keys to the power play to Matt Tennyson. That sounds like a good idea. Right. No, stop the nonsense, dude. Leave Burns at D. What? You move him up. Yeah. Did he score some goals as a forward? Sure. He did, right? He but- scored at a really, actually, fairly impressive rate. I'm a little bit more... I'm more sympathetic to this argument than you are, clearly. I'm not convinced. I wouldn't say I'm convinced, but I'm more sympathetic. I thought Burns was effective and was very hot in stretches, but also he completely disappeared at times when he played forward. And he looked lost, as lost as he does sometimes (laughs) when he's in his own zone as a defenseman. It's true. I, I... I, I see. Oh, here come the advanced stats, ladies Sorry. and gentlemen. The advanced stats are coming I out. I can't help. I'm it. sure they are poor. All right, but let's take a not look that here. Bad, okay. No, it's not. All right. So this is this year. His Corsi. His Corsi on is really good. His Corsi relative is also good at this point. It's not. And and look who's right above him in Corsi relative, dude. Brendan Dillon. Brendan Dillon, who's been his partner for much of the time. Now I know they've been kind of mixing and matching that a little bit. But dude, I say leave him alone. This guy, he he's been playing D again for four months. Right. You gotta let him give him a chance. Like why why are we disappointed in the fact that he is oh, this guy, let's move him up. He's only the third highest scoring defenseman in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, I no, and and I think that that completely encapsulates the reason why I am not as excited. He's got better numbers than Eric Carlson, dude. Right, and and I'm not. I just wanted to look up Eric Carlson's numbers. Eric Carlson is also minus eight for those uh, keeping track at home. Uh, but I think the minus is a little misleading, dude. He was so poor in the plus minus category before Dylan got here, and I think it has gotten a little bit better, or at least it's been even. Hasn't gotten worse, I don't think. I'm gonna look at some game logs here. Uh, well, I mean, you could throw in the St. Louis game. He was minus two in both of those, but I bet there was a minus a straight across the board for everybody. Yeah, you know, I um, don't know, dude. It's, I it's hard. I I like I said, I am not convinced. I am. If uh, you had, a def- I'm slightly sympathetic, but I'm not convinced. If you had a defensive prospect that you were staring at and you're going, "Wow, we have Dougie Hamilton." Mm-hmm. who's not playing because Burns is playing there. If we move Burns up, then Hamilton can play and maybe absorb some of that playing time and be effective. And I mean, this was Dougie Hamilton like three years ago, right? Not Freddie I mean, Hamilton. No, no. Well, we got Freddie Hamilton. We have Freddie who's Hamilton. Who's so good that he's gone again already after just playing one game. Yeah. I and mean, they clearly don't like him, you know, he, or he hasn't shown enough to stick. I don't know, dude. I find this argument to be futile. I, I don't like it. We we traded for this guy to be a defenseman. You move him up, you're making a bigger problem. It's easier to find a forward who could score some goals than to find an elite offensive defenseman. That that's true, and I'm I'm still in that camp. I still don't think if if he gets a lot worse, uh, you know, defensively, then then I might be even more swayed because I don't think you want a, a huge defensive liability. But I'm 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 sure Burns, you know, he was in the NHL as a defenseman. It's not like he's like I have no idea and I really don't care about preventing goals. I'm sure he wants to prevent goals. I was going to look at his career. Stats. So I um I was looking at the month by month. If you look at October, I'm sorry, it was November. He was a minus nine. 
if you look at December, he was plus three. Right. Okay. Now, so far for the month of January, he's minus three, but there have been two totally Huge horrible blowout. Yeah. blowout games in that where he was minus two in both those games. So if you take that out as an aberration, he's plus one. Okay. Right. So, and, and you pulled up the Corsi stats. He's not horrible. We're not talking about some sort of terrible situation right with with him in his own end he's getting better we've got two great defensive-minded coaches give him a chance dude yeah i'm can can you tell that i care about this i i could tell and and the other thing is that let's move one of our best players let's move him around again (laughs) i think we and the other thing is that i think defensemen can affect the play more than forwards can absolutely there's four lines of forwards there's three lines of d he's playing 23 minutes a night he has the opportunity to affect play more as he played five minutes more a game as yep. a defenseman, yep. definitely. I, I think if you're going to have Joe Thornton on your team and he's healthy and he's playing, uh, you can find most anyone to play on that wing and score some goals. He's going to get you the puck, all right? Mm-hmm. You can find a forward. If that's the issue, then go get someone to do that. You don't have to find Rick Nash. Right, right. I don't know if you saw it. There was there was some stuff in the comment thread last uh, last week. Someone was advocating for JVR for Couture or JVR plus stuff for Couture, dude. What's well, your... we talked a little bit about that when the quality center was mentioned yeah. by Eklund. Yeah. Um. JVR. Well, I mean, JVR plus what? I mean, yeah. plus a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I don't particularly like that just because I don't think. You know, JVR hasn't proven to be part of a winning equation yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and it's also has been extremely injury prone. Yeah. So, um, but I'm not 100% sold on Couture, to be honest. I mean, like, he's been hot and cold, dude. Yeah. I mean, he's been hot and cold. It's not well, a bad... He's, what about Marlowe? I mean, Marlowe... Well, Marlowe, though, but Marlowe's in a totally different situation. Marlowe, you're looking at... You're riding out the string right now with Marlowe. Yeah. You're yeah. riding out the string. Although we got an email about this. You know, you're you're riding out the string with Marlowe where Couture, he's like a cornerstone of your franchise. Yeah. So that's a hugely bold move if you're going to make that kind of move. But I don't know if Couture for JVR, that's uh, brick for brick, a fair trade. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. Oh, that. no, no, no. I wouldn't either. It would have to be JVR plus. I, mean, I don't want anything from Toronto. That is a garbage heap. <laughs> I know. It really is. <laughs> it really is. I'd be really scared of getting anything because this the Toronto stink would still be all over JVR. It is. You think that the Sharks have dysfunction. Yeah. That is a completely a house of horrors up there. It is. In terms of their dressing room, dude. Well, speaking of Marlowe Spencer, who I believe is a first-time emailer, uh, mentioned that Marlowe sold his Saratoga home for uh, a pile of money does could this be a sign a possible trade may be imminent the times la times article explains marlo does own other property in the area so there's obviously a chance he's just scaling down his housing assets what do you think dude is this a significant bit of news that marlo has divested himself from his saratoga mansion no (laughs) i don't think so either no i i mean who knows maybe he's decided to rent yeah (laughs) the housing market's very hot maybe he's just a savvy investor i don't know um i hear that uh he 
wanted to stay in the house, but his eyebrows wanted to sell. <laughs> That's what I heard. wasn't big enough for both of them. <laughs> um, no, I, I just I don't think that anything. You know, we've we've beaten this horse to a bloody pulp, dude. That that he doesn't want to leave. Right. He does not want to leave. Joe Thornton does not want to leave. They're staying, and you know. They have, they have family here. They have young children here. Young children are in the community. I know for a fact at least one of Marlowe's sons plays hockey. Yeah, as is their right, they re-upped here for three years. It's on Doug Wilson. He made that contract commitment. And if, you know, Marlowe is incredibly streaky. Now, we haven't seen him go through a dip like this in a while. But next week, he may have scored five goals in three games. Yeah. And then we'll be like, ah, he's back. And, right. and then he'll go on a tear for a month. Right. So will Marlowe end up with 12 goals this year? Absolutely not. I think that's unlikely. You know? But it is frustrating, and it is, in giant yellow highlighter, a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. So beyond the house, dude, like, how much longer do you stick with Marlowe in the top six? I mean, do you continue to just give him chance after chance, knowing that at some point he'll break out? Or does he need to slip down and center that third line and and move one of those guys up? Well, who would move up? Wingles? I guess. I'm I might be I'm always up for switching some things around. I, I wouldn't mind but although he's been a winger for so long, Marlo. He hasn't played center that much as of late. But that maybe might, it'll maybe he'll snap him back into it. That might be interesting. You know? I mean I don't all I know is what he's doing right now is not helping a team that's having trouble scoring. Right. You know? That's for sure. And uh, you know, maybe someone else deserves a shot. Is that gonna happen? Unlikely. Unlikely. Unlikely, because McClellan is fiercely loyal to his veteran players. Mm-hmm. That appears to be the case. Spencer also follows up with, do you guys see a need for Doug Wilson to go out and make a play for new personnel? Or are we content with our veteran core youngsters and goalie pairing for the remainder of the season in playoffs? <laughs> How to answer this? Well, I mean, well, I think we do. We do need... Yeah, we need help. I mean, we need help. We're sure. not this team as it's constituted is not built to win. Yes, I think that the team as constructed does not really have. I mean, we you want to be optimistic as a fan, but let's be honest. You know, I think the last couple games against St. Louis has certainly uh, hammered in the, the fact, the unfortunate fact that the Sharks are not a top tier team and, and barring some uh, radical turnaround plus uh, I spate of injuries for the other teams the sharks are not going to be going very deep in the playoffs as they are and um spencer to your question i don't think the sharks have particularly a ton of assets to go out and improve you know they've sort of traded a lot of picks and young players the last few years to try and make that run and i don't think they're in any kind of they're certainly not in a better position now than they've been in previous years and certainly not better than last year so the question is I think if the Sharks went out and tried to trade, say, picks or young players, you know, go trade Milk or Carlson, for instance, right? You go trade that guy and you try to get a veteran player to come in. At that point, I would put that in the throwing good money after bad category. Yeah, that, I, that's not going to happen. I'm right. not worried about that happening at all. Especially since it goes directly against Doug Wilson's stated going with youth thing, which yeah. I, know, I know people believe in, in <laughs> varying amounts. I, I do believe that as the trade deadline approaches, the Sharks are going, they will trade away 
more players than they trade for. Yeah, I okay. That's that's. that's I wouldn't be surprised if they cut bait with a couple of veterans, and we may see them make another Demers for Dylan hockey type deal. Right. Where if you know, I mean, let's say it's a you know JVR type player is available, or some other you know hunk of junk from the Maple Leafs. You know, you see them make a deal that's you know for players that are under existing contracts that they feel like need a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's Couture for JVR, that's a hockey deal. That's not a let's win now and uh, try to you know give up some young assets to get there. Now that that type of trade straight up won't happen, but that's an example of what could go down Mm -hmm. but those types of deals are hard to make at the deadline you don't see those very often you often see the veteran player for young assets and draft picks kind of trade going down and the sharks aren't going to be on the receiving end of something like that this year no they're not going to make a deal for some sort of veteran you know unrestricted free agent to come in and be a band-aid let's go get marks right yeah (laughs) they're gonna i mean we've already kind of looked at that list of players and you know, I don't think Niemi is helping his stock right now. Right, with some of his performances in the last week, although he, he was he was good against the Rangers, mm-hmm. but he's had some bad games mixed in there too. But will there be a team that's willing to take a risk on him to make some sort of a cup run, which he's already proven he's capable of doing in the right environment? That's possible. Yeah, Tracy asks, hard to get, or he states, it's hard to get a beat on Staylock. Is he the future? I really want him to be. So, dude, I mean, given, you know, this is sort of like, to me, this is the big unanswered question from now until the deadline. Uh, and in a way, maybe maybe it's putting a little bit too much uh, weight on it. But I think what the Sharks choose to do with Niemi will be a huge indicator of are the Sharks really serious about this youth movement or are they going to try and, you know, split the baby <laughs> or are they going to, are they going to welch on the deal and stick with the veterans? And I think that's the one move I want to see what the Sharks are going to do. Are they going to keep Antiniemi because his, this is the last year of his contract. You know, he's making $2 million. He's probably going to get a, significant raise if he finds somebody to sign him uh you know are they gonna cut bait with niemi what's your current feeling dude is stay lock the future as tracy says well to answer that you know answer her question <laughs> i i don't know yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. we haven't seen enough to know and i, I know. think that's why i want them to cut bait with niemi so that we can find out mm-hmm. i'd like to see stay lock play you know 20 out of 24 games. Yeah. So that we can really evaluate whether this guy is the future. Now, is that a risk in some way? Because then you don't have Niemi and you're falling back on Troy Grosnick. Yeah, right. that's risky. But I think we know what we have in Niemi. Right. Which, as we've talked about in the past, is a currently a league average goalie. You know? Yeah, right. Now, Staloc's stats, as we pull them up, they're not great. You know? Yeah. They're, they're not great. He's a little bit better than Niemi in both save percentage and and uh, goals against. Uh, the fact that he gave up two goals to St. Louis in only 26 minutes did not help him at all. At one point, he was quite a bit better. Um, you know, he was 924 in 
October and uh, nine. Let's see, nine, nine twenty-four and October and nine twenty-five. Well, his no. last four outings yeah. have been poor. That's, I think you could yeah, categorize them true. as poor. That's maybe you that's know? more important. To so uh, the thirtieth uh, of December game against Vancouver, his save percentage was eight fifty-seven. Then he came in in relief of um of Niemi in the first St. Louis blowout his save percentage was 833 <clears throat> but that was only you know in 14 minutes right, right. And he gave up one goal on six shots the Minnesota game was an average performance you know in terms of save percentage 903 and then a poor effort against St. Louis save percentage of 714 so yeah his stats have taken a a pretty big hit if you look where he was in uh October and November. Yeah. You know, he I mean in November where he played one game yeah. in the month of November and his save percentage there is almost an identical nine twenty five. Yep. And then you've got see him, you know, nine twelve in December. And he's played one game so far in January one. So yeah, one one start. He's had one start. One start, but I mean that's that's unfair. I mean I think you can't I think you gotta throw out the garbage relief games, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of it's kind of garbage, right? You come in the game's already so far out of hand, right? It's hard to evaluate him at that point, dude. So what we know, Staylock is competitive. Mm-hmm. We know he's athletic. We know he's unorthodox. Is that going to give us a better chance to win the Niemi? I don't know. I'm willing to take the gamble. I want to find out. Yeah, I'd like to find out. So. We'll see. You're right. You, you, the way you put it is exactly right. What they do with Niemi is going to be the it's a bellwether indicator, yeah, of of where the Sharks think they are. Because if they extend Niemi, yeah, say they give him two years, right, then clearly they have no faith in Staylock at all, none. Right, that would be very disappointing to see. Not that Staylock has proved to be the the next Henrik Lundqvist, but. You at least want them to well, let's go show, and, show some commitment. But but let's let's show also just the willingness to change course a little bit. Right. Because I think it's it's so naive to think you can put the same cards down and and win. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. This yeah. group, as it's put together, will not win the Stanley Cup, dude. You can play that when we do. <laughs> yeah, I'll, right. I'll play that. But Let they're not. They're not going to. And trading, you know, young players to bring in veteran players, as some people are advocating for, it's not going to make the difference. It's not going to make the difference because as a core, this team is just not as as it's put together good enough. Yeah, it's very disappointing. But let's talk about the good side, dude. Melker Carlson. Yes. I mean, there are some Bright definitely spots. positive things to talk about. Yeah. This is by far a bright spot and a great find. By Doug Wilson, signed as a free agent, an international free agent. Mm-hmm. He's come in and been a, an impact performer and someone who deserves to be in the top six right now. I like his... Uh, he's aggressive. He, he's in and around the net. He's mm-hmm. creative. He's got some speed. I yep. like him a lot. And I hope that they continue. He deserves to play through whatever... He's not going to keep up this pace, right? No, of course but, not. He deserves, I hope that they don't scale his minutes back when he doesn't score for two games. Right. This guy should be playing 18 minutes a night, 
and on the top or second unit power play for the rest of the year. He's playing thir- his average is 13.31. Let's let's have a look here. Uh yeah, I mean, he hasn't played 18 minutes yet. I'll, I I I hope we're working towards that because let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can really do, you know? It, if this is a flash in the pan kind of moment mm-hmm. that people have or is this guy going to be the type of player that you can build parts of your team around? Right. You know, he seems to have a nose for the net, which is sorely lacking on this team. That's true. It's true. And and he has more points in 14 games than Matt Nieto has in 33. Yeah. I mean, Nieto has most definitely been disappointing this year. You know, I haven't seen really anyone bash Nieto. A lot of people are bashing Burns. They say he's not good defensively. The guy has 34 points, right? Matt Nieto is supposedly a top six forward. He has nine points. How come Matt Nieto is not taking any heat here? Well, I is mean, just I, under I, the radar. And, and, and Tomas Hurdle, 15 points. Yeah. I mean, these, these are two extremely disappointing sophomore year performances. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's not surprising, right? No. I mean, you talked about this before the season started. I mean, you know, it, it, regression for these two players is to be expected. But this is a significant regression. Yes. From these two guys, you know, in terms of, you know, where they are. Which is why I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them play together, to see if we can get some sort of chemistry going. Instead of bouncing them up and down the lineup, they're on the fourth line, they're on the first line, they're on the second line, they're on the third line. I mean, if these guys are gonna have growing pains, then let them do it together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if they're not earning their time on you know a special teams unit, that's fine. Let them play some even strength minutes together. And that's why I still like to see Chris Tierney up here in some way. Yeah. You know, playing with them. You know, see, let these three young guys figure it out at the same time. You know, in an environment that's not nearly as toxic as Edmonton. Right. 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 Dude, I guess one uh, one slight controversy. Obviously, we talked about how Brent Burns made the All-Star team as the Sharks' only participant. Uh, do you think Joe Pavelski is a, well, should Joe Pavelski have gone first of all? And second, is he more deserving than Brent Burns? Uh, no, he's not more deserving than Brent Burns based on where they fall statistically. I mean, Burns is an impact player on the defensive end that, for an all-star game is exactly the kind of guy you want out there right. who's going to be freewheeling, part of a nine-to-eight type of thing yeah. where he'll be exciting. And plus, I mean, who picks these rosters? <laughs> who picks these rosters? Uh, the fans. It's voting, right? Well, I mean, some and of then, it's voting, right? And, and then, then some of it is picked by who? Coaches, I think. Coaches? Sure. Yeah. All right, sure. The coaches pick it. All right. I mean, Burns is way better television than Joe Pavelski. Pavelski is tied for 22nd in points. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Joe Pavelski is not a good player. He is, right? I mean, and Logan Couture is one point behind him. So maybe I'm being a little unjustly hard. But Pavelski, I think, is fifth in the league in goals. I think that's one thing that people like to go by. Go by goals, then sort it by goals, too. All right. Let's see what we got here. Uh, 
I mean, Sagan's he's, he's, going. He's so sixth. of the top six goal scorers, they're all going except for him. Right. So and Kane is going. Is Malkin going? I don't know if Malkin. I don't know. But let's let's hold off here to see if he ends up going based on injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, because you got to figure if someone gets hurt, someone can't go. Pavelski's got to be at the top of that list to replace him. I'm going to call it right now. Pavelski ends up playing in the All Star game. See, I don't think so. I oh. think I think there's a couple guys uh, in terms of who got. Uh, I think Kucherov from Tampa Bay, I think he kind of came out of nowhere. He has more points than Pavelski. I think he's more likely to go. Um, I think there's a couple other guys that are ahead of him in line. So, Although Kucherov obviously would... Is it East and West this year? I don't know. Um, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares about the All-Star game. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with my prediction, dude. He's going. Okay. He's going to be there, dude. All right, dude. So let's look ahead and, and see where the Sharks are going from here in terms of schedule. Uh, you know, is this is this going to be a relatively easy uh, next little uh, bit of games here? Arizona is not a great team. Toronto, we've talked about. Calgary has certainly cooled since their uh, hot start. And New Jersey is just not good. Um, you know, these are four games that are all very, very winnable. Only Arizona is on the road. So, you know, are are we are you expecting a, a continuation of this middling performance, dude? Or do you think the Sharks are going to really assert themselves as in that second tier and thus being better than Arizona, Toronto, Calgary and New Jersey? Um. I expect them to continue to middle. Dude. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, this. This upcoming stretch, a good team would get seven points at least. Right. Right? I mean, Toronto is going through a massive identity crisis. Arizona blows. They're terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're in a free fall. Calgary is going to be a tough matchup, even though they've cooled off. They are going to be a much tougher game to play against. You know, and and they're, you know, they're playing about 500 hockey. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, after a hot start right yeah. uh new, new jersey is just they are terrible also playing without their coach a terrible goal differential you know, these are games that the sharks have got to win yeah they've got to win these games if they're going to continue to be in the discussion for a playoff spot and calgary is going to be motivated to take some points off of them and toronto is you know that team's on notice. So I don't think they're going to be an easy game to play, but they're not very good. And their goaltending situation sucks. Yeah. Defensively, they're bad mm-hmm. and they don't have an identity. They have no idea who they are. Right. They're the highest scoring team in the NHL. I think in terms of uh, second. Yeah. Behind Tampa. Second behind uh, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. But um, defensively, they're, they're just awful. So they're the worst. And no, wait, not quite as bad as Dallas. Actually, Dallas, Arizona, and Edmonton are all worse. But the Sharks have been so inconsistent; it's and, hard to put Buffalo, it goes to put thing. your faith that they're going to be able to address their issues and turn in a consistent performance against. Although I, I think that the Rangers' loss, if we go back to that, would be much easier to swallow. If it didn't come right after the St. Louis loss. Yeah, that's I think true. you wouldn't have felt as bad after that game. You go, gosh, the Sharks were really in that game. 
for a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. It was pretty evenly played. The Sharks were the better team in the first period. And then, you know, they just ended up got got beat by a good team. But it wasn't like you felt bad when mm-hmm. that game was over, right? Right. Because really it was two to one. Yeah. There was an empty netter scored at the end. So sure. really that was a two to one game. It was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. So, um, But yeah, after getting torched by St. Louis, you, I mean, they did come out really, really well. I mean, they came out, they came yeah. out hot, but it was just, again, the, the scoring woes continue. They can't turn that domination in the offensive zone into goals, into enough goals anyway. Well, hopefully the giant sieve that is Mike Smith will help them <laughs> with that if they get to face him in Arizona and some of the other poor goaltending that they, they might see against Toronto will will help with that too. Yep. I know that's that's the one thing that's really been one of the most frustrating things about this team this year is that the Sharks they can't consistently beat teams that are supposedly worse than them. Right? And that's something that we did not see, you know, in the past, you know, when the Sharks were contending and doing very well, yeah, we would get frustrated because they couldn't beat the top talent and we'd say the you know, this team needs to measure themselves against Chicago and in Detroit when they were great and, and, you know, these top teams, but the Sharks would consistently beat the bad teams. Of course, you can't win every single game against a bad team, but more often than not, the Sharks would do well. But, you know, we look at who the Sharks have lost to. They've lost to some pretty bad teams, uh, you know, way more than they have in the past. So that's the one thing that's really, really unfortunate. So, yeah, I'm not predicting like a, a huge uh eight points or seven points here i think they could easily lose one of these games and possibly two of them so that that's the one thing that that is so frustrating about this team but you know what we've also shown that we can't predict it anything of what this team can do they could easily rip off four especially if like you said patrick marlowe suddenly gets hot right and that we've seen him do that many times where he just starts scoring two goals a game if patrick marlowe scoring two goals a game the sharks are gonna win a lot of games Let's hope that's the case, too. I hope so, too. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the Sales and Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.